Good morning, everyone. In case I haven't had the honor of meeting you, my name is Kathy Udis, and I'm so glad 
that you'll let me worship with you today, and I welcome you. Happy Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. This is going to be a great week. Um, for those of you who are uh, online, I want to welcome you too, and uh, just uh, remind you that if you have any questions or prayer request, you can click on the request prayer button, and it'll send you into a private chat with one of our hosts. So uh, don't, don't hesitate to use that. If you'll uh, join me in worshiping um, in, by standing in, um, in body and soul and mind and spirit, um, that would be great. Um, our uh, worship, call to worship is uh, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul takes its boast in the Lord. And it makes the boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. So if you'll join me in singing, there is joy in the house of the Lord and we will bring our praise to him. Redeemed by His grace, 
feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Sunday, we're here to commemorate Jesus as he rode a colt through Jerusalem, the streets of Jerusalem. The crowds were there shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they had palms. They laid them at his feet as he rode through. Again, the crowd screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And as a human, sometimes I'm thinking, I wonder what Jesus was thinking at that point, because just days from that point, he was going to be arrested, tortured, and he was going to die on a cross. And the, the reality, when you translate the word Hosanna, it means save us, save us. So the crowd was singing and yelling, proclaiming, Lord, save us. Save us. I don't think they really had a clue what they were talking about. Of course, that's easy for me to say because we know how this thing ends, right? We read in Luke where I guess a few Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Listen, rebuke your disciples. Basically, tell them to shut up. This is like getting out of hand here. And Jesus proclaimed, Man, dude. If I tell them to be quiet, if I tell them to shut up, the rocks are going to cry out. So please join us in this next song as we sing Hosanna. Hosanna.
here and being with us, all the things that you taught us and all the sacrifices that you made, we just cannot thank you enough. Hosanna to you, Lord, and welcome. Please accept our worship, Lord. We hope that it brings you glory and happiness. Lord, I just want to lift up all the people in the world and pray for those that don't know you and ask that you will Lead us in a way that we can bring them closer to you, that they will know you like we know you and know how amazing you are. And Lord, for those that do already know you, I just pray that you will let them know that you're there with them, with whatever they're going through, whatever suffering. Just give them peace, give them health, heal them, protect them, Lord. And more than anything, also, I want you to keep teaching us. Right now, I just want to ask that you'll prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls to receive your word today and learn something about you that you want us to know and draw us closer to you. We give it all up to you in your precious Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Rebecca Suarez, and it is my pleasure to have you here at Springbrook this Sunday. For those of you watching us online, if you would take a moment to fill out the online connection card or just drop a simple hello in the chat, we certainly would appreciate that. For those of you here in person, we have each row has a um, connection card that you can also fill out. And then at the end of the service, if you would drop those in one of the boxes at the back of the room, that would be so appreciated. 
Um, let's take a look at some of the activities within our ministries that are happening this month. Uh, ladies, we are having a um, gathering this month. It's so exciting to finally be able to get back together in person. So if you have not yet registered, please do so. Um, uh, April 30th is the event. It's from 10 to 3 that Saturday. We're going to have a guest speaker, Kelly Vance, here, as well as uh, music and a lunch as well. So if you are interested in registering, go to springbrook.org bloom. It's a $10 fee, and if you're interested in purchasing lunch, it's another $4. You can't beat that for a good meal and some good time with other ladies. Also, we have a blood drive coming up Monday, April 25th. If you are good about giving blood, we certainly could use you to come out and service our community with this. Um, obviously, there's a, a, an absolute need with most blood centers. So if you could sign up at springbrook.org blood for one of those time slots, anywhere from the time frame of 2 to 6 that Monday, we would certainly appreciate it. Also, we have um, our monthly game board night. Um, I actually did this for the first time last month and had an amazing time. Um, come on out, bring a board game that you have from home that's one of your favorites, or come out and learn a new one. Um, I did that. Thanks, Deanna, for teaching me a great board game. Um, it was a really, really fun time. You guys really would appreciate coming out from 4 to 8 that Saturday, um, just having a little bit of time, um, fellowship, and, and uh, not being on devices is always a good thing. Um, finally, um, obviously we're kicking off Holy Week. If you have any questions or need more information regarding Easter services or Good Friday, please take a look at our app or go online, springbrook.org, and take a look. There is the ability to invite people as well. Maybe share it on one of your social media features to get more people to come on out. We certainly would appreciate it. And if you have not yet downloaded the app, please look into sending Springbrook Church to 77977. It's really user-friendly. It has a world of information, and it's really going to be helpful to you if you have not yet downloaded that. And with that, I invite you to watch this video before we jump into our sermon. morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you are with us today. Happy Palm Sunday. I'm so glad the snow was gone, aren't you? <laughs> I saw some sun out there. I'm looking forward to the day. I don't know, uh, how many of you have heard of the Lord of the Rings? I think everybody's heard of Lord of the Rings, right? The movie series? Okay, so my kids grew up reading those books. I didn't hear about it until the movie came out. And so I think it came out like 2000, 2001, something along those lines. And so they're all talking about it. And so I'm watching the first movie. So we all sit down and we're watching the movie together and and I'm getting, I'm, I'm picking up all the pieces. You know, I got Frodo, I got the ring. It gets to the, the end of the movie and Frodo's got the ring and he starts to walk off into the sunset and the credits start to roll. So I'm sitting there thinking, that can't be the end of the movie. So I'm looking around going, was that the end of the movie? And they're going, oh yeah, this is a trilogy. A, a trilogy? What's there? There's three of these things? And so I was really bent out of shape because then I had to wait another year for the next movie to come out. I did not realize it was a trilogy <laughs> going into it. And so I was really bent out of shape. I mean, I, I stood around with that for a while because I had invested, I don't know how long the movie was. It was like, if I had known that it was going to be that long and be that spread out, I think I would have waited to the very end and just binge watched it all at the same time. 
You know, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, just like the Lord of the Rings, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter, they're, they're a movement. And so they all, they all work together. And so uh, we've got, uh, uh, we've got, we're going to be looking at who is Jesus. We're going to be looking at what did he do and what does it mean for us. And so there's a, there's a movement as we go through Holy Week. And so it's been fun these past couple of weeks as we prepared for Holy Week to be able to look at how that movement flows. The significance of Palm Sunday is, is that it clearly identifies Jesus as the Messiah. There's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfills in the Old Testament. As you look to the New, Jesus is the Messiah. And as you look at Palm Sunday, it clearly identifies him as that king, that savior that they were all waiting for. In Psalm 118, uh, it's a uh, passage that tells a little bit about the steadfast love of God. And so in Psalm 18, if you brought your Bible, I want to read with you the first couple of verses in Psalm 118. Beginning in verse 1, it talks about the steadfast love of the Lord. It says, He is good. His love endures forever. Verse 2 says, Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. As you move down through the passage, you get to verse 19, and it says this, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord is doing its marvelous things in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords and uh, lift them up to the horns of the altar. And so as you read down through this psalm, I just, you know, we talked about, we just finished a series on the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the fact that Jesus is a door. He's a gate. So this psalm reminds us that Jesus is a gate. He's the stone that the builders rejected. He is the cornerstone. He is the one who has come in the name of the Lord. He has made his light to shine upon us. And so just looking through this passage, we see multiple times where Jesus fulfills this passage as it comes to fruition. And a lot of these happen right on Palm Sunday. In fact, God's people are waiting for a Savior. Um, they've been waiting and praying. And, and when you get to Psalm 118, it said, Save us, we pray, O Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. This blessing, this, this praise, all of this exuberance and shouting is fulfilled when you see Jesus entering into Jerusalem in Matthew 21. In verse 9, the crowds that went before him, that followed him, were all shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Thank you for saving us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, this passage is a reflection of Jesus coming in, not just as a prophet, not just as a good man, but as a king, establishing his identity firmly in the fact that he is this Messiah, the Savior that they have been praying for. And as he comes into town, they're throwing these branches and these palms, and they're throwing them down as he walks over them. It's, a, it's symbolic of the victory and the triumph of a king. It's the success that they were praying for as you read down through Psalm 118. And so everything about Jesus fulfills those Old Testament prophecies. When Jesus rode into town in Jerusalem that first 
Palm Sunday. He, he fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Jesus would tell his disciples earlier to go into town and get a donkey. And when, they, when he says, when they ask you, tell him the Lord needs it. And so Jesus sends them to go get the donkey specifically to fulfill this prophecy. Jesus fulfills all the prophecies of the Old Testament. He is the Messiah. And as we get to Palm Sunday, that begins to be a visible thing that his disciples would start to understand. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and fulfilling this prophecy. Palm Sunday reveals the reality of who Jesus is. It's really that first step of the movement as we celebrate Holy Week together. Palm Sunday helps us to understand the fullness of, of who Jesus is. As we move towards Good Friday, we're going to be looking at what Jesus did for us. What did he accomplish for us? And so we know who Jesus is, and then when we get to Good Friday, we're going to look at what he did for us. And then when we get to Easter, we're going to celebrate what that means for us. And so Holy Week is a movement. All three parts of this story are necessary. And you don't want to just jump to Easter. I know there's a lot of exuberance and excitement about Easter. When I was a kid, I was always excited about Easter. I can't remember what we did on Palm Sunday. But Palm Sunday, Good Friday, those move together, all pointing us to the reality of who Jesus is, what he did, and what that means for us. All three parts of this story are important. After Easter, we're going to be starting a new series on, uh, on Hebrews. Hebrews tar- charts a, a journey that describes the supremacy of Jesus Christ as God's revelation, as his high priest, as his sacrifice, as the giver of faith. And so I'm excited about this series. We're going to be building, as we move through Holy Week, towards kicking off that series. I'm, I'm really excited about our movement through Hebrews. And so we want to invite you to come back with us after Easter as we prepare to celebrate, you know, kicking off that new series. It's going to be a series that really roots us in the identity of who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to be talking about um, today as well as celebrating this week. I know that there are many things that can distract us. I know our calendars, the things that are happening with our health, our lives, our families. Think about what's happening in our culture. There's so many things that can be a distraction from us. And so we want to focus firmly on who Christ is. This journey of faith is going to focus us on the reality of who Jesus is and what that means to us. And we want to focus on not feelings, people, places, or things. We, we want to focus on a right relationship with God through Christ. As we give our, and as we focus on him and we find meaning for our life, we must look to Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This journey of faith series through Hebrews is going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And as I was preparing for uh, looking through the series and kind of have mapped this out, there was a, the beginning of Hebrews really uh, captured my attention. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. I want to read the first couple of verses for you in Hebrews uh, chapter 1. It kind of set the stage for Holy Week as well as the new series that we're going to be launching after Easter. In Hebrews, the opening chapter, verse 1 says this, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of the God, the exact imprint of his nature. 
He upholds the universe by the, by the word and his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much superior to the angels as his name is. He inherited as a, it's more excellent uh, than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today have I begotten you? None. It's a rhetorical question. God's never said that to anybody. But to the, his son, he says this in verse 8. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, up, of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your compassion and beyond your companions. And so when you look at the, the opening verses of Hebrews, it's, it's, it's establishing the authority of who Jesus is. And those first several verses actually set the stage for what we're going to be doing as we move through Holy Week. In Hebrews 1 through uh, 2, in verses uh, 1 through 2, you know, the author is talking about the fact that, that God now speaks to us through his Son. And so as Jesus came into Jerusalem and people understood he was the Messiah and he starts to, he, he starts to speak to us, and as he fulfills these Old Testament prophecies. And so we're going to celebrate this morning the fact that God speaks to us through the work of his son. And then as we move towards uh, Good Friday in verse 3, he's made purifications for our sins. That's what Jesus has done for us. Who is Jesus? He, he's, he's, he's the word. He speaks to us. That's how we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. What did he accomplish for us? He made purifications for our sins through his death on the cross. And then as we get towards Easter, we're going to celebrate the reality of the fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father today. And so these first four verses of Hebrews set the stage for the supremacy of Christ, and they're going to guide us through our time together as we celebrate um, Holy Week. The first four verses break down, they show us who Jesus is, what he's accomplished, and what that means um, for us. And we're going to be looking at each of these verses, and then we're going to kick off this series in Hebrews. But today I want to focus on those first two verses. The author says this. I think it was Paul. Many people think it was Paul. The author says this, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he has also created the world. See, here's the, here's the good news about this. God speaks to us. God throughout history has always spoke to us. Have you always, have you always wondered, wow, I wish God would, would speak to me, or I wonder where God where is in this area of my life. God speaks to us and has always spoken to us. God speaks He's not a passive creator and observer of all that's happening. God speaks to us. Our relationship with him is such that we talk to him through prayer and we can listen to him speak to us in the old days through the prophets and through our fathers. In these last days, he's spoken to us through the son. God speaks to us and he has always spoken to us. And today he speaks to us through Jesus, who is the word. But he has also spoken in the past. God spoke many times in the past. God speaks. In the past, it was many times in many ways that God spoke to us. As you read throughout the Old Testament, I, I got tired of counting up verses. I think I got to like 100 different verses where I saw, and God said, and then God said, and then God said. In Genesis chapter 2, God spoke to Adam. God said to Adam, he said, don't eat from the fruit of this tree. You can eat from the fruit of any of these trees, but don't eat from this tree. 
God said that to Adam. God spoke to Noah after the floods. He said, Noah, it's time for you to come out of the ark. In Genesis 17, God spoke to Abraham. He said, write these words down. They're a sign of the covenant that I'm making to you. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to to Jacob. He said, go to Bethel and, and settle there. God spoke to Abraham and to Jacob, and he spoke to Moses. He spoke to Moses. He, Moses, he said, I am who I am. Moses said, well, who do I send? Is sending me. He says, I am who I am. And so God spoke to Moses. He spoke to Solomon. Solomon prayed before God, and he asked for wisdom. And, and, and God said to him, well, you didn't ask for things. You asked for wisdom, and so I'm going to answer that prayer. God spoke in the Old Testament. He spoke to Jonah. You know, when Jonah got swallowed up by that whale and spit up on the ground, he's sitting in the middle of the desert and he's complaining about the the heat and and about the plant that withers. And God says to him, why are you angry about that plant? God spoke to our fathers and to our prophets. He spoke in many ways and at many times. All throughout the Old Testament, God was speaking. And he speaks in many ways. In Exodus chapter 3, he spoke to Moses through a burning bush. Moses was walking around as a shepherd, taking care of the flocks, and God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. You know, in Numbers chapter 22, God would speak to Balaam through a donkey. And so he spoke through a burning bush. He spoke to Balaam through a a donkey. In 1 Kings 19, it's a voice that appears to Elijah on a mountaintop and is a whisper. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. God is speaking. He has always spoken. He's spoken many ways. And he's spoken at many times. God is a God that speaks. And he's spoken in the Old Testament through the prophets and through our fathers. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 27, the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. I am so grateful that Moses wrote these words. This is what we have in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the law. God told Moses to write those. He wrote them and we get to read. And so God spoke to Moses, he wrote them down, and now he's able to speak to us through the writings of Moses. And so God has spoken throughout history in many ways and at many times. In Ezekiel, in uh, chapter uh, 1, on the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the uh, the exile of the king of Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chabar Canal, as the hand of the Lord was upon him there. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. Ezekiel heard from the Lord. The Lord's Spirit entered up to him, in, in, into him in chapter 2. The Holy Spirit of the Lord enters into Ezekiel, stands him up on his feet, and gives him words that he needs to hear that he's going to share with others. He says, take this scroll and eat it. And the words that I'm giving you, go tell to my people. He said, they're not going to listen to you, but that's okay. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to take the words that I've given you and go tell them to my people. So God has spoken throughout history in many ways and many times. God has spoken to to us throughout history long ago and many times. And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, I love that. This is what he's done throughout history. But, In these last days, today, right now, in these last days, God is speaking to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he he also created the world. You see, this latter way of speaking, this speaking to us today, 
is a better way. God spoke to us in the past through our fathers and the prophets, but today he speaks to us through Christ. This is the, the better way of communicating. This, is, this latest communication from God is greater and better than all the ways of old. In fact, we're no longer dependent on our fathers and the prophets. Christ now speaks to us directly through his word. God was speaking before the creation of the world, and God spoke creation into existence. He spoke throughout history in many ways, and today, now, God speaks to us through his Son. He speaks directly to us through Christ coming into the world, and we get to celebrate and be a part of that and celebrate that together. Now, I want to stop here just for a moment because I want to talk about some of the ways that God speaks to us. Um, you know, he does speak in a variety of ways, but the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. I'll give you an example. I had, uh, right when I became a believer, I was with my family down at Navy Pier. I think I've shared this story several years ago, but I had the kids, I was walking with my kids, and uh, they, were, they were little, their hands were up. And so I'm walking down through Navy Pier, and there's a man approaching me. He's dressed in black, black beard, just kind of goth. He's got a shirt that says, I love Satan on it. And so, uh, he's, you know, I'm looking at that shirt thinking, wow, that, that's just, that's kind of evil. And so he's looking at me, he's looking at my kids, looking at me, looking at my kids. And he smiled at me, and he's walked by, and I'm standing there like dumbfounded. It's like, does anybody else see this? I mean, that could have been Satan himself walking through town, and nobody, and I was, nobody was looking at it. And so I went to bed last night. It was something that was just really on my heart. And I woke up in the middle of the night. It was, uh, it was 2.03 in the morning. Sat straight up in my bed. And I thought to myself, somebody has got to warn people about that. And so that was a big part of the calling of my life. And so God, he spoke to me. I had been doing my devotions. I had been studying about the fact that, that uh, Satan is like a roaring lion looking around for somebody to devour. And I was thinking about what God had for me and my calling in my life. And I thought, somebody needs to tell people and warn them that the things that are at stake are real. Satan is real. You know, these things are real. And so God used a dream to, to really help me to focus in on what he would have for my life. And so I continued to study scripture and I continued to talk to people around me. And I studied and I prayed about what God would have and it ultimately led me into uh, to ministry. And so God had used a dream in a way to help me to understand what his call was for my life. And then I had a friend of mine who was uh, uh, working. He wanted to start a new business. And so he said, God had given him a dream that he needed to start a new business. I said, well, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit about that. He said, well, he said, I was thinking about starting a business. And I looked out and I said, I, I, I registered for my phone number for the business. And then I found a place to rent. And the last four digits of my phone number were the same as the first four digits of my address. And so God was confirming for me the fact that I need to start this new business. And I was like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> so talk to me about what Bible passages you've been reading? Well, he goes, I well, haven't really been doing that. I said, well, wait a second. You know, how, how, do you, how do you discern whether God's speaking to you or whether maybe Satan is tempting you? I mean, Satan interacted with Jesus after he, after he was in the desert. I mean, Satan understands Scripture uh, probably better than, than us. I mean, Satan understands Scripture. And so how do you test and approve what's from God and what's kind of in your mind? And I said, what what'd you have for dinner last night? <laughs> And so there's times when, when God speaks to us and it's validated by Scripture, and there's times when God, we think God's speaking to us, but we need to, we need to test what we're hearing. 
You know, God speaks to us with clarity through his word. He spoke to us in different ways in the Old Testament. God speaks to us now through his son. And so that's the primary vehicle for how God speaks to us. In Romans uh, in chapter 1, verse 18, um, the writer is talking about the wrath of God. He's talking about God's wrath against unrighteousness. In Romans 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men, whom who, who, by their, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has showed it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they're without excuse. And so there is a sense that when I look out at creation, I'm in awe about what God has made. God draws people into that. They see that. They're appreciated about that. That evidence points to the fact that he exists. It's not how he speaks. And so I can be outside. I can see a beautiful sunset. I think, this is gorgeous. I look around at creation, and that points me to the reality and to the existence of a God so that I should explore more. I am without excuse with regard to understanding that there's a loving God that cares for me, that loves me, that created everything. And so God gives us evidence of him throughout creation. Verse 21 said that although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They saw it, but they did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they kept up in their futile and their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal mans, for birds and animals and creepy things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served creature and creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. God can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. God can use creation to draw us closer to understanding who he is. God can use our conversations with other people to draw him closer, draw us closer to who he is. In fact, the Bible says that we're to surround ourselves with wise counselors. The wise counselors come from helping us to understand what we've read. And so when I talk to people, when I get people around me that are praying for, we're we're discussing, it's always rooted in what we find in scripture and what God would have for us. I don't just arbitrarily walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm really thinking about this major life decision. What do you think? And so, but at the same time, God tells us to surround ourselves with wise counselors, people that are also godly, people that are also in God's word. And so it's important that we surround ourselves with wise counselors. God will use them to help me, to give me clarity about my decisions. God will, reveals himself to us through creation. God uses people around us. God, God speaks, quote unquote, in a variety of different ways. God reveals himself to us in creation, but he does not speak. It is not God. It is not from God that someone says, I don't need to go to church because I can just worship God out here. That's not godly. That's not something that's found in scripture. It's a lie. It's just not true. We are a part of the body of Christ. This is his bride. 
I mean, it, it's, it's a reflection of the, it's a tangible reflection of the body of Christ. It is important that we be together. The Christian, the Christian walk, the Christian journey is not designed to do alone. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We collectively worship together. And so to be able to say, hey, look, I am one with God. I, I can hear from God out in creation. I, I don't need to be with you guys on Sunday. It's like, you, first of all, God's not speaking to you throughout creation. He's giving you evidence and existence of himself, which should draw you to want to know more. And so we, 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 we need to know that God speaks to us primarily through his word. Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And the bottom line is, is I can't always trust my heart. And so there's some things that I feel, I just don't, I don't feel it. You know, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure I feel it. Well, you know, I don't know if you feel it or not, but it's true. <laughs> you know, I was having a conversation last week with somebody about just the assurance of faith. And it's like, I gave you a $10 check and you cashed it and put it in your checking account. Do you have the $10 in your checking account? Well, yeah. It's like, well, how do you know? Well, it's because I cashed it. And so now what you're telling me right now is, is you just don't, you don't feel like you have the $10. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. The check cleared. It's in the deposit. When we are become Christ followers, we are sealed. And so if our faith commitment is genuine, when we make a faith commitment, when we identify with Christ through baptism, we, we are sealed and we belong to Christ. And there's days when I just feel like, oh, God is distant. But if God is distant, it's not him that's moved, it's us. And so there's a reality about truth that does not matter, that supersedes our feelings. And so how we feel about things doesn't always make it true or make it a reality. We can't always trust our heart. And so even though we feel something, we, we need to validate that against God's word because this is how he speaks to us. In Proverbs 16, it says, pleasant words are a honeycomb. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There are ways that seem right to man, but in the end, they lead to death. And so when I surround myself with people that are telling me what I want to hear, those are sweet words, pleasant words like a honeycomb. I don't want anybody speaking truth to me. (laughs) We like people to tell us what we already think to be believed to be true. You know, those sweet words are like honeycomb. You know, but there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, they lead to death. And so we, we can't just rely on creation. We can't just rely on our hearts. We can't just rely on the, on the words around us. We need to test all things against Scripture. This is the litmus test. This is how God speaks. This is, this is how we know what's true and, and what's right and how to, to live our life. It's, a, it, it's not just those suggestions. It's, it's how God speaks to us. In the book of Acts, there's the Berean Christians and, and the uh, early disciples come to them and every single thing that somebody told them, they tested. They tested all things against Scripture. And so they were listening to what was being taught and they were going back to Scripture. They were listening to what was being taught and they were going back to Scripture. We need to evaluate everything against this standard because this is how God speaks to us. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, not a God. So depending upon who you're talking to, you know, we'll get, you know, from a Jehovah's Witness perspective, they put an A there. They don't believe Jesus is God. And so, you know, but they're very popular. You've got Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. There's a lot of churches that say, well, this is just, they kind of pick and choose what they go through. You got to make sure that when you're talking to somebody or when you're visiting a church, (laughs) this is, this is primary, 
And one of our values in Springbrook is that the Word of God is authoritative. And so this is what guides our ministry. And so it's important. We need to test all things. And we do that because this is how God speaks to us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the embodiment of the word. God has spoken to us through his word. That's how we know what is true and what's, what's not true. And it's so easy to get distracted and to forget what God's purpose and plans are for us. God speaks now to us through his son. And the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when we read it, God speaks to us. And so if you want to hear God speak to you, you have got to read Scripture. Because that's how God speaks. There is a better way. You know, there's one mediator between us, between the Father and us. It's, it's Jesus Christ. You know, we, lo- we no longer have to wait for God to speak. We're no longer dependent on some prophet or some priest to come tell us when to, what, what God's saying. We can pick this up anytime. It's not just many ways, but it's and, and many times, but it's anytime. Instead of it being many times, it's, it's all the time. I mean, we have direct access to God at all times. We don't need to wait for the prophet to share what God had with them, with us. God speaks directly to us through his word. The word of God is in his son. And it's so decisive that there's no phase three for God speaking to us. There's no other plan. Jesus provides final hope in these last days. That's what verse two means. In these last days, God speaks to us through his son. The last days began with the, uh, with the coming of his son into the world. We celebrate the birth of a savior on Christmas. That's the other great holiday. These two things work together. You know, we celebrate the birth of a savior on Christmas and God's plan begins working itself out and we see the, the culmination of that start to come to fruition at Palm Sunday as we move towards Easter. And we're gonna celebrate the reality of what that means for us on Good Friday and then we're gonna celebrate the hope that we have as a result of that on Easter. There's a movement that's happening here. We are in the last days with the coming of the Son into the world. We're in the last days now. And when he returns before the final and full establishment of his kingdom. And so we're in the last days. And that is where our hope lies. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came the first time to bring us into a right relationship with him. Jesus came, even though that we were living in this world today, we are experiencing the kingdom of heaven now. And Jesus teaches us how to do that. And so we're not just waiting for the return of Christ. We can experience the kingdom of heaven now today. That's what our last series on the Sermon on the Mount was about. We are in the last days now, but we're also able to get glimpses of what heaven's going to be like. That's where our hope is. That's where our hope lies doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what's happening around you right now. Ultimately, our hope is in the reality of the fact that when Christ comes back, we're going to spend eternity with him. 
Jesus at Easter was with that thief on the cross. One didn't believe, one believed. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. When we die, our bodies go into the ground. We physically go into God's presence or we're separated from God for all eternity based on what we've done with Christ. Christ provides us hope. We are in the last days now. None of us knows how many days we have. God knows. None of us knows when Jesus is coming back. God does. We're in the last days now. And the hope that he offers us is a final hope. There's not going to be a part three to this story. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Jesus provides for us a final hope that we can rest assured is true because of who he is and because of what God's word says. That's biblical. You know, Jesus provides us hope in these last days. And Jesus' word is final. You know, it says that uh, in, in Matthew, uh, in, uh, at the beginning of that passage in verse 1, I'm not going to go back to the slide, the beginning in that passage that we just looked at in um, Matthew chapter 21, it talks about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. We see the people that are celebrating the reality of who he is. As we move towards celebrating the supremacy of Christ, as we move into the book of Hebrews, the, the first passage in Hebrews that we looked at talked about that God has spoken. So God is speaking throughout history. He comes up, he's speaking up through Palm Sunday. He's still continuing to speak. And then Jesus, after he died, after he was resurrected, he he is done speaking. And so there's not going to be any more new revelation. All the revelation of God that we have is, is in here right now. There's not going to be any new parts to scripture. There's not going to be anything new added to scripture. God has spoken in a sense that it is now final. And so when we talk about revelation from God, it's not new revelation in a sense that God's speaking to us like he did with the prophets or with our fathers or through Jesus. There is no new revelation. The revelation that we have is as we study this and we understand it, there's an aha moment. God has revealed something to us through his word, but this never changes. And so one of the things that we find about Jesus is that he provides the final word. The word became flesh period. It is done. That word is spoken means it is finished. It carries forward to today, but there's no new words coming. His word is final. Jesus provides us security in a sense that everything that we need to know is in here. There's nothing else that's going to be added to it. It's in here and it's sufficient for us. We're in the last days and Jesus has provided us our final hope. He's also given us his, his final word. And so we can rest secure in that. And then third, we recognize that Jesus provides final authority. Jesus provides us final authority. He is an heir. What is an heir? Somebody that has been entrusted with something. All things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. He created it, and it is his. And so at the very beginning, when when God spoke creation into existence, Jesus was there. It was made through him. And so you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all present and active at the very beginning of creation. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. God spoke the words into creation, into existence. Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all present. It was all created by and through Jesus, and it is His. And so the other two, the Father and the Son, have given Him the responsibility of this world and creation to Him. He is an heir. He was the creator. And He has the final authority. Jesus, when, when he was with his disciples right before he left them, said, look, go make disciples, baptize, teach them, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. 
All authority on heaven and on earth is his. And so there is no greater authority. There's no greater authority than what we find in here. And so this is our standard. And so when we're trying to make decisions about what to do or what to eat, I mean, everything that we need is in this book. He is our final authority. He is an heir and a creator. You know, Jesus provides these as we move towards Palm Sunday, which we celebrate that today. You know, we're celebrating everything that is a reflection of who Jesus is. And next Friday, we're going to look at what he did for us. And then on Sunday, we're going to celebrate what that means for us as we anticipate his second coming and look at, and look at, at Easter. And so all of these we see in those first couple of verses in Hebrews. And they're going to set the tone for, for our series that we're going to be kicking off after Easter as well. In Matthew 21, when Jesus entered into the town, Everybody was celebrating. The palms were going down. Everybody was yelling, Hosanna in the highest. It was a festival because everybody knew what was coming. It wasn't the king that they were going to be expecting. Nothing would play out like they were expected. But it was interesting in the midst of this celebration, one of the things that stood out in verse 15, when the chief priests and the scribes saw all the wonderful things that Jesus had done. I mean, all the miracles, when they saw all the great things he did and they saw all the children, and this is not children as in the baby children, but it, you know, it's the followers of Jesus. It's, it's the children of God. When, when they saw all the people coming together, when they saw all the children crying out to the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were indignant. And they said to him, don't you see and hear what these people are saying? And he's, he's replied to them. The next verse is, yeah, I see them. Why aren't you doing it? And so Jesus divides people into two different groups. There's people that understand and believe who he is, and then there's people that don't. I'm amazed in the midst of all these miracles and all these wonderful things that God's doing. There's this, I mean, everybody understands that who Jesus is here, except for these chief priests and the scribes who should have known better, who should have known. They were the ones that were students of Scripture. But they didn't. They were indignant about who Jesus was. That indignance is, you know, reflective of anger. It's confusion. It's just indifference. We're celebrating today the, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who saves us for, from our sins. The reality of that is what we see when we move into Palm Sunday. Jesus fulfills prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament. Jesus is who he claimed to be. As you read through the passage in Matthew, if you, as you read through the Palm Sunday story, as you read through the different passages that link, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Now, we have the benefit today of knowing what happens on Good Friday. We have the benefit today of knowing what's going to happen on, on Easter. How much more should we make a decision to submit ourselves and our lives to this word? The Bible is the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of our ministry. It's, it's, where we get our, it's where we get everything that we need to know about who God is. We need a relationship with Christ. And so if you're trying to do things on your own, it, it, it's going to be folly. Until you submit yourself to Christ, until you understand the hope that is yours, until you understand that, that this word is, is spoken and true and it's not going to change, and until you understand who the authority is over you, until you submit yourself to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you don't have the assurance of hope. You're not going to be able to experience the, the benefits and all the privileges of understanding, hey, 
I can trust God with this. When something happens in my life, I, I just need to make sure that I did what I was supposed to do. I can trust God with the results of what's happening because God is the, is the creator. He's, he's the sustainer. And I, I think in my own life, how many times do I think about things are not going the way that I think they should, how easy it is for us to get indignant. But when we understand the fullness of who Jesus is and understand that he is in control, that's where we find our hope. That's where we find our peace. And that's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Jesus is who he claimed to be. And we're going to look at the implications of that on our Good Friday in our Easter service. As we celebrate and we prepare for a Good Friday, we're going to be looking at the reality that Jesus is not the king. He's a suffering king. He's not the king that they were expecting to see. Um, he is uh, he, he's the one that paid for our sin. He, he's the one that where we find the, the relationship. Going back to that first passage in, in Hebrews. I'm going to go all the way back there. I'm going to put that in there for the next slide. He has made purification for our sins. We know who he is. He has spoken to us through his word. Good Friday is what he did for us. He's purified us from our sins. We find forgiveness of our sins. We, we find a right relationship with God, you know, through him. And then when we get together on Easter, we're going to celebrate the fact that he is now sitting at the right hand of his Father in heaven. And that's what we're going to celebrate as we move towards Easter. And I just want to encourage you um, to be praying uh, for, uh, for our services as we head um, through this Holy Week. Um, I'm praying for each of us that as we move through Holy Week that we, we get an increasing sense of God's presence in our life, that the reality of what we find in Scripture is, is not just true here, but true in our lives and in our hearts. We have a special prayer gathering coming up on Tuesday. We're going to spend some time in prayer together. We're going to be celebrating uh, Good Friday. We're going to be celebrating um, his passion and his death. And then Easter is going to be a great celebration of the fact that he didn't just die, but he is alive. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have questions about our relationship with Christ uh, as we move through this week, this is, the, this is a great time to get your questions answered. So if you have any questions about our relationship with Christ or how to grow in your faith, we want to help you be able to experience more of the life-transforming power of a relationship with Christ. And so you can just let us know um, how you can do that. You can fill out, if you're watching with us online, you can go to the springbrook.org slash card. If you're in person with us this morning, you've got a little communication card uh, sitting on your seat. We'd love the opportunity um, to talk with you and to hear about how we can help you to be able to experience more of this life-transforming power. I also want to encourage you to be pleased to be praying for our Easter, our Easter service. This is a great time uh, to invite friends and family. And so if you have not had an opportunity to do that, um, you can just go to our website, use the uh, link on our app. Um, but let's just be praying together as we move through this holy week, the most holy of weeks, uh, that God would uh, just continue to reveal himself to us uh, with clarity. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us, and um, I just thank you for this uh, Palm Sunday. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate uh, the reality of who Jesus is. Uh, God, as uh, we just search Scripture together, it is, uh, it's fun for me to be able to see just where you have fulfilled um, all the prophecies of the Old Testament. It just gives me security, uh, knowing that I can trust you uh, with every single aspect of my life. Uh, even when things are not going the way that I think they should, uh, God, I pray that you'd help me not to be indignant, to be able to, you know, just be able to trust you more, uh, to be able to have a sense of your leading in my life. And I pray that for my friends this morning as well. As we celebrate Problem Sunday and head towards Good Friday and Easter, God, we have so much uh, to be thankful for. And um, I just pray that you continue to guard our hearts and our minds and our eyes for you and for your glory. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand and worship with us one more time? Thank you.
aren't you glad this is not a trilogy? You don't have to wait a couple of years for volume two and volume three come out. It's not like Lord of the Rings. And we're going to be celebrating a Good Friday uh, coming up in just a couple of days. We've got Easter next week. But you don't have to wait uh, for the word to be preached at a church. You can pick up a Bible. So if you need a Bible, we've got some free Bibles that you can take with you at the uh, Ministry Center counter. We've also got some yard signs. If you want to stick one of those in your yard, invite somebody for Easter. Uh, be pleased to be praying with us. Uh, you're all invited to come out to our prayer gathering on Tuesday. I hope to see you at our Good Friday service. I hope you have a great uh, Palm Sunday. May the grace of the Lord and a peace and his peace uh, rest on you as you celebrate this day. Thanks for being with us.